Welcome to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast, your source for everything you need to go from unfocused wantrepreneur to action-taking, money-making entrepreneur. Now, your host, Brian Lofermento. What is up, listeners? Happy Friday. This is episode 95 Holy cow, we're closing in on 100, and I am super amped up for today's Featured Friday episode for two reasons. One, my ultimate profit model, San Diego Retreat, is just two and a half weeks away. How insane is that? I remember announcing it on the podcast last month in March, and now here we go, April 24th through 28th in San Diego. A bunch of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are going to be living with me in a mansion in San Diego that I rented out. And my big news for today is that UPM San Diego is officially sold out. That's it. The doors are closed. The deadline was today, and we actually filled the spots already. So if you're listening and you're bummed out that you missed this retreat and you really wanted to live with me and my team and meet your fellow entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs and build the foundations of a $10,000 a month business, then shoot me an email because I'll tell you what, it's fun to put my event planner on the spot and throw curveballs at her and see what she does with it. So if you feel like you missed out and you want to be super spontaneous, I've got no promises because I don't know if we have any beds that we can pull out of somewhere. I don't know what the situation is, but that's not my job. That's what I've got an event planner for. So drop me an email at hello at imetbrian.com. Who knows? Maybe we could fit one or two podcast listeners in. Well, definitely not two, but who knows? Maybe we could fit one. So don't be shy. Shoot me an email. But otherwise, Otherwise, we're sold out, and I'll tell you what, on this podcast, I'm going to keep you posted about what is happening in San Diego. I'm going to give you, the podcast listeners, behind-the-scenes footage, behind-the-scenes content into how I'm planning and preparing for that week, how I've made this event come together, how I've sold out all the spots, what content I'll be teaching there. I'll be teaching it some of it here on this podcast, and, and you'll really see what's going on from my side of the event space as we get closer to that. So there's some really amazing content coming your way in that regard, but even cooler, number two, the reason why I'm excited about today's Featured Friday is because I've got an amazing interview lined up for you here today. It is with Michael Haynes, who has made over $40 million online since 2001, really since the heydays of e-commerce. And a lot of listeners always Facebook me or Snapchat me or email me and say, hey, Brian, what if I want to start an e-commerce store? What if I want to sell this product? What if I want to do this? What if I want to do that? And I don't always have a good answer because e-commerce is definitely not my game. So that's why. For you on this podcast, I bring in the experts. I bring in the people who not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And Michael Haynes is one of those guys. He has made over $40 million selling AC units, air conditioner units. How incredible is that? So I'm not even going to hype it up anymore. I'm just going to jump right into this Featured Friday episode and stay tuned because next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I've got three more amazing episodes lined up for you. I am fully switching into San Diego mode which means I'm going to be preparing content that I've never taught before, and I'm going to be shedding some light on that and taking you behind the scenes here on this podcast. So gear up for not only today's episode, but more awesome content coming your way as San Diego approaches. Here we go, my interview with Michael Haynes. Now, just a brief bio about Michael. Michael began acdirect.com, which is the largest and oldest e-commerce website in the heating and air conditioning industry in 2001. 
The site has generated, wait for it, over $40 million in sales and has received about 17 million visitors as a direct result of Michael's marketing efforts. Back in 2001, he had very little startup money and knew absolutely nothing about the internet, email, or websites. Michael's web companies have been profiled in the Inc. 500 list of America's fastest growing companies two years in a row. Currently, Michael is the co-founder of Triple Your Clicks, a website dedicated to helping small to medium-sized businesses achieve internet success. His belief is that anyone can level the playing field and build a rewarding and profitable business using the web. Michael, that's quite the bio. Welcome to the summit. Thanks, Brian, for having me. So it's an absolute pleasure. I've been very excited for this summit session, thanks to your wide range of accomplishments. But tell us in your own words, what exactly do you do these days? Basically what I do is I specialize in the trades, meaning I help contractors build their business through the internet using paid search, uh, web development, content. Um, the basic fundamentals is that most of them don't have the time or knowledge or the understanding of how to do it. And that's how I built my business. Specifically when I say trades, I mean roofers, um, electricians, plumbers, appliance repair. I have other businesses too, that, but I specialize in those industries simply because I came up in that industry. So I started my air conditioning business back in 2001 and I built it specifically using the internet and nothing else. So it makes sense for me to work with other contractors and show them how I was able to have success and the steps that they can take to do the same thing. All right, awesome. Now the Inc list of America's fastest growing companies. How'd that come about? Because that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, that was, we did that two years in a row, 2006 and 2007, because you're right, the second time is a lot harder than the first time because you're competing with yourself the second time. But we were just in a stage of tremendous growth. I had just launched a new website in 2005. So by 2006, we had reached critical mass. And then 2007, we had another really extremely good year so we were able to achieve that uh, success back to back. Yeah, that's incredible. So take us back to acdirect.com, which is like you said, in 2001, you founded that and it's been a massive success. How'd you get the idea? So I know you said you, you came from that industry, but where exactly did you get the idea? How on earth did you get started not knowing anything about the web? And talk to us more about the growth in that business. Well, I can tell you this, no one was stunned by my success more than I was. Because at that time, I remember hearing the term email and not really knowing exactly what that meant. Um, I remember I had to help, I had to have help when I first started that business, actually turning my computer on and knowing how to run the computer, learning how to operate the mouse. So when I say I knew nothing, I mean literally nothing. So today, when you say you don't know much about the internet or you know nothing, that's a different metric than it was 15 years ago. So I was just, and how I got started was just, kind of a weird story. I was reading a magazine. It was my girlfriend at the time magazine. It was called Woman's World Magazine. And there was an article in there about a lady who was making $400 a week on a website that was called eBay. And I had never heard of eBay. I didn't know what it was. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And I was looking for a new business to get into. So I did some research on eBay. And I thought, well, what in the world could I sell on eBay and make some money on? It took me about two weeks to figure out that air conditioning systems might be something I could sell. It never even occurred to me. I was actually going to a retail store called Tuesday Morning, buying sheets and comforters and jewelry boxes and reselling them on eBay, and actually doing very, very well until I cleaned out every Tuesday morning of sheets, jewelry boxes, and comforters in the state of Florida. So I had no, re I had no way to scale that model out, so I thought, okay, what can I do next? 
then air conditioning hit me. So I put, um, they had no air conditioning category at that time. All they had was just miscellaneous was a category I had to post them under. So I put five or six systems up and sold them within the first four or five days. I did about $10,000 in my business in business to my astonishment right away. Problem was I had no way to buy them and I had no way to ship them because it was a test. And I tested before I had any way to do anything with these. I had no way to ship these products. So I panicked, called up a friend of mine who was in the air conditioning business. I said, hey, I need a favor. I need you to buy these for me. I'll pay for them, palletize them, and let's ship them out. So I knew then that I had a business model because I put another five up and sold those right away too. So I knew there was a business model and I kind of went into a partnership with my buddy who was in the air conditioning business and he helped me get this business started. So I did eBay for about two years and I built my first website and it just it started hitting uh, six figures from there um, within months of the website launching. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And what's more incredible is that you went from six figures to over 40 million in revenue, 17 million visitors. Those are ridiculous numbers. Talk to us about some of the key traffic generators. Let's go with back in the beginning when you first started, and I'm sure that those traffic generation strategies evolved over time. Yeah, the only two things available back in 2001 to 2002, 2003, actually 2001, pay-per-click wasn't even available. Google didn't come out with AdWords until like the third quarter of 2002. So back then we were all doing SEO, what we thought was SEO. We we're putting a million keywords on a page and coloring them so that they were the same color as the background so the search engine wouldn't know what we were doing. We didn't know that there was no black hat, there was no white hat, there was none of that stuff. It was just whatever you could do to drive traffic to your website. If it worked, you did more of it. If you didn't, you stopped doing that and you did something else. There really were no rules back then. Well, thank God that Google AdWords came along in 2002 because I could see immediately that that was my godsend for getting traffic. So I started doing Google AdWords and I had a budget back then. I remember when um, it hit 35 cents per click and I remember thinking, this is the beginning of the end. I thought, man, there's no way I can make money at 40 or 45 cents per click. <laughs> um, it's just so funny too because that back then it was, you know, that wasn't a lot of money then and it's not a lot of money now, but either way, it seemed to me that it was getting ridiculous. Um, so I basically was able to build that business on two things, which was luck with SEO. We didn't get a lot of traffic through SEO, maybe uh, 10 or 15,000 visitors a month, um, which now seems like a lot for a lot of businesses, and it is, but in my business back then, it wasn't very many. I was able to add 30, 40, 50, 60,000 visitors a month using Google AdWords at 25, 30, 35 cents per click. My average sale was about $2,000. So I just discovered very quickly I had no competition. I was the only one doing this for several years. So I had the market to myself. I had the prices to myself. And then, of course, there's an industry now. There's, if you go on now and search Goodman Heat Pump or air conditioning systems online or anything like that, you're going to find there's tons of companies doing it. But we still rank better than just about anybody else. And we're doing more business than just about anybody else. So one of the – sorry, did I interrupt? No, not at all. All right. So one of the things that you said is that when cost per clicks went up to 35 cents per click, it seemed like an extraordinary amount of money back then. And even to some business owners today, they might think, well, how much money am I going to spend on these clicks without knowing how much I'm going to get back? Now, I'm sure that a core part of your traffic strategy back then was understanding how much a visitor is was worth to you. Can you talk to us about the lifetime value of your customer or how you calculate that or how that factors into your philosophy and your strategy? Well, that's, that's two different answers because early on I didn't have a strategy. We didn't know anything about email marketing and how to engage a customer and get them back into your 
sales funnel and keep them there. We didn't know anything about that. We were just happy to make a first time sale. Um, so today we use email marketing. We use a lot of different uh, elements um, to get the people into the sales funnel and create a lifetime value. But with an air conditioning system, the lifetime value is pretty much right in the beginning because most people don't buy more than one or two air conditioning systems in their life. However, what they may buy is some of the accessory filters. If they bought a ultraviolet light for disinfection of their air in their home, they may need to replace that bulb. We can get that kind of stuff. But 90% of their value is typically going to come right up front. The rest of it would be through referrals or if they happen to need another system, which is unusual, but it can happen. Um, but our driving force was pay-per-click. And I know that I mentioned pay-per-click, but back then I didn't know anything about pay-per-click. I was just doing what everybody else was doing, which was putting up keywords, bidding on them, and hoping for the best. Now we know there's a whole lot more to do than that. I've been doing pay-per-click for, what, 14 years, I guess. So we're a lot more sophisticated, and there's a couple of fundamental things I've discovered about PPC that you're either going to do and be successful, or you're not going to do them, and you're going to fail. It's really quite simple. Awesome. So we're going to dive a lot into traffic, and we're going to talk more about PPC. But before we do that, I want to talk about conversions. What sort of mistakes do you see website owners and business owners committing when it comes to optimizing their conversions or not optimizing for conversions? It's actually amazing to me that as deep as into the internet that we as we are, that so many people are making the same mistake. When I say people, I mean companies big and small. Their websites are not set up to convert a visitor. Um, I feel that you have to take a visitor through what I call a digital journey. You have to walk that visitor through a four-step principle. And I call that the ADA principle, which I did not invent. Um, some of the best copywriters in the world back in the 50s and 60s used a principle called attention, interest, desire, and action. So when someone comes to your page, you can't just randomly throw pictures and images up and descriptions about your product and what you do and who you are and click here for more details. You have to walk your visitor very carefully through that four-step journey. And I find that when I take on a new client, their website is converting at three, four, five, six percent, which is very common. I can take their conversion rates as high as 40%, almost unbelievable, because most SEO people will tell you that's impossible to do, but I'm telling you right now, I am getting conversion rates of 40% on contractor service-oriented websites simply by taking that visitor through the journey, thinking like they think, and saying, okay, what does this person really want to find out on my website? They're not here to have, hear me brag about how many service vehicles I have or how great we are or the words we've won. They have a problem. Let's say that they're an air conditioning customer and their air conditioner is broken. My mindset is, as a web designer, they have a broken air conditioner. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get their, air, their attention with a bold, bold headline, just like you'd see in a newspaper. And then I'm going to have a supporting subheadline. I might put a video in there to massage the pain a little bit. Then I'm going to walk them through the process very quickly if I understand your air conditioning system is broken and the last thing you need right now is this inconvenience in your life. Then I'm going to build their, I'm going to create the uh, first, first step is attention, get their attention. That's the A, to, A and the ADA. Then we're going to build the interest by massaging the pain, understanding that we know you have a broken air conditioner, you need it resolved, you don't want to spend a fortune, and you're worried about what this is going to cost you. Then you build desire and you do that by telling the customer the awards that you've won. Here's what we're going to do for you. Here's our unique guarantees. Here's our satisfaction guarantee. We put floor savers on our shoes when we come into your home. We have a leave no trace cleanup commitment. We tell the customer how we're different than everybody else. And the last thing we do is we give them a clear call to action. Here's what to do next. If you want to get your air conditioner system fixed today, here's what you do next. 
and I will put three calls to action typically on the page right after the initial attention getting headline and then about midway through the content and then again at the bottom so that these people have no doubt as to the fact that we are the ones to come out and fix their air conditioner right fix it the first time and do it for a fair price and once you take a visitor through those steps no matter what you sell I don't care if you sell pool tables or whatever it is once you move your visitors through that journey your conversion rates can increase by as much as 600 percent Wow that's incredible Michael and 40 percent conversion rate is absolutely outstanding so I want to echo what you just said again so if anyone missed it take your pen and paper out right now because Michael just gave you one of the most classic and most effective copywriting formulas out there so that's ADA A-I-D-A so attention interest desire and action so Michael those are the four ways that business owners can increase their sales this week yes they could if they if they put that if they did one page they're usually your home page is your most uh, visited website and that's a little difficult because you're not necessarily closing deals on your homepage, but I would find a way to make my homepage, if that's my most heavily visited site, a four-step process through my visitors. I decide what is my most important product because if you're a roofer or you're a electrician, you have one or two products that you sell 80% of the time. So I would just take one of those products and I'd walk my visitors through that four-step ADA process. And at the bottom, I'd say, listen, if you need something else, click here. And I'd take them to a different page. But the goal is to keep them on that page, minimal distractions, um, as little navigation as possible, which on a website is virtually impossible because I'm talking about the difference between a landing page that we designed that has no navigation whatsoever. The goal is to keep that visitor engaged on the page, walk them through that course of action, and have them do one of two things, either call us or email us. So depending on what your business is, your goal may be different. Maybe you're trying to get a download. Maybe you're trying to offer a free subscription. Maybe you have some other service you're going to offer, but you only want to offer one or two calls to action at most and walk your visitor very carefully through that journey so at the end they know exactly what you are offering, how you're going to benefit them, and what the next step is for them to successfully engage themselves with your company. All right, awesome. So one of the things that you touched on was you said convert a visitor. Let's clarify that for people who are unfamiliar with that term or unfamiliar with that mindset. How do you, what exactly does that mean to convert a visitor? Does that mean getting an email address, getting a sale? What does that mean to you? A conversion is whatever you assign it to be. If your website is an e-commerce, site and let's say that you sold um, let's say you sold uh, pool table supplies okay a conversion to me would be someone who put an item in the shopping cart and placed an order that would be a first conversion I might also consider a phone call to be a conversion as well I don't know that I would count an email as a conversion but I would count a phone call as a conversion and I would count any item that they put in their shopping cart and purchase as a conversion if you're in the service business and your website is designed to get people to contact you, then if it's a phone call or an email, I'd count either one of those two as a conversion. Okay, great. That definitely clarifies it. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot for this one. You've been prepped, so it is a fair question for right. anyone wondering about this one. What are the 10 questions that every website owner and business owner must answer on their website for its visitors? Okay, these are extremely important. And these are outside the ADA principle, but they are 10 essential elements that you have to ask, that you have to answer for a consumer. And you're not necessarily going to ask them in this order, but they have to be built into your content. 
And the first one is, can you solve my problem? They have to know that you understand what their problem is and that you can solve it. That's number one. Number two, how will you solve my problem? Is it going to be a visit to my home? Is it going to be a visit to my business? Is it going to be a download to my computer? Whatever it is, you have to explain to them how you're going to solve it. How soon will you solve my problem? You have to give them some sort of window. If you offer same-day service, if they call by noon, then that would be how soon you can solve it. Do you offer 24-hour turnaround, 48-hour turnaround, whatever your turnaround time is, I would put that in there so customers know what to expect. How much will it cost me? This is something that most website owners are deathly afraid to talk about, especially in the trades like contractors, air conditioning. They're afraid to talk about price, but I would give people a range. I would say our service calls started just $49.97. That'll get us to your home and we'll do a di complete diagnostic. Um, if you are an e-commerce site, of course, you don't have that problem because it's going to be there. If you are a jewelry retailer and you have prices on your website, you've solved that problem. But whatever industry you're in, I would give consumers a price range of some sort because they appreciate that, especially if none of your competitors are doing it. Um, can I trust your company and staff? That's going to be where you have gotten their attention in the ADA principle, where you've talked about your Angie's List Super Service Award, your A-plus rating with the BBB. Whatever awards you have, you want to talk about those. Um, how are you different and why should I care? Because you need to tell your competitors how you're different, why you're better, and why, what the benefits of your difference are. It's one thing to just talk about the difference, but you explain the benefits to the consumer of, of how you're different and why it's going to work for them. Um, do you have any super compelling deals for me? You may or may not. Um, if you have a cold search and a customer is just viewing your company for the first time, I highly suggest that you offer them some sort of a special internet deal so that once they become into your fold and they become a re repeat customer, they have a high lifetime value to you. So even if you don't make that much money the first time on a service call or whatever business you're in, as long as you do a good job and you keep them in the fold, that person hopefully will have a high lifetime value. If they don't have a lifetime value to you, then you might want to rethink giving too big a discount on the initial uh, contact. But most businesses can find a way to create a lifetime value for a consumer. Okay, and then uh, are your services risk-free? Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, but I would, even if your services aren't risk-free, I would find a way to make them risk-free even if you worry about consumers because most people are not out to rip you off. They just want to feel good that you have a risk-free offer for them. And by the time you get to their home and start talking about the transaction, they're going to forget that you even made that offer to them. All they know is that you seemed trustworthy and they decided to do business with you. So tell them how and why your services are risk-free. What forms of payment do you accept? This is another item that I see left off of websites all the time. All you have to do is put on their financing available and that little four section uh, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express logo. It's real simple to put on your website. I put it by my lead gen box and I put it by my call to action. And it's a subconscious thing, but people just appreciate knowing what forms of payment you accept. And then, of course, what do I do next? That's the call to action. And I have been doing that through the four-step ADA principle at least three times. So it's not like I wait until the very end because I might have convinced someone within 20 seconds of being on my website, I don't want them to have to hunt around for what to do next. So I'm going to build that call to action in three times. So that's the 10. Brian.
All right. I was taking notes along the way, Michael. So I want to reiterate those in case anyone missed one. So one, can you solve my problem? Two, how will you solve my problem? Three, how soon will you solve it? Four, how much will it cost? And I love your notes there about being different from competitors because you're right. A lot of times people are afraid to put their prices right on their website. It's also more transparent and builds trust that way. Five, do you have any awards or credibility to show there? Six, how, how are you different? Why should someone care? What are the benefits of you being different? Seven, do you offer any super compelling deals? Eight, are your services risk-free, which is fantastic. Nine, what are the forms of payment? And 10, what do I do next? And Michael, I think it's absolute gold that you gave away there saying, have that call to action all throughout the page, not just at the end, because you're right, some people will be convinced sooner. So Michael, that's a great list. Did I sum it up well? Yes, you did, perfect. All right, awesome. So we talked a lot about conversions. Let's talk about traffic now. What are your thoughts? Because I know that you've done it both ways. You mentioned SEO and it's funny to look back on keyword stuffing and all those what are now black hat techniques. So what are your thoughts on free traffic versus paid traffic and how much time and energy do you spend on each? Well, I, I believe you have to do both. When I'm working with a client, um, again, let's just let's just pick a client. I have an appliance repair dealer that I work with. Um, he's spending about equal time because I tell him the SEO is long term. That's going to build your business in the long term. Pay per click is going to build your business now, starting a week from now. If I have a new client, okay, they're going to start getting clicks very very quickly. So it's important that they do both. And as long as they're getting a return on investment, because some people will say, "Well, great, I can get." Uh, search engine optimized and then I can stop doing the pay-per-click. But this appliance repair client that I have, he is on the first page for practically every important keyword in his local market, yet we're getting an outstanding return on his pay-per-click. So I am a believer in doing both as long as you're getting paid back on it. If one is not paying off, then you might want to consider modifying it, dropping it, or putting some money someplace else. But if both are working well, like they are for this particular client, I would continue to do both for as long as they work. All right, I love that advice because, so my history from before what I'm doing now is I owned a search engine optimization agency and you're absolutely correct. You could start laying all the perfect groundwork for a great SEO campaign, but you might not see those results for months. It takes search engines months to pick up those changes and reweight your site accordingly. Whereas PPC is that immediate hit. You could get a new client tomorrow as a result of PPC. But let's respond to people out there who are saying, ah, oh, PPC doesn't work for me. I've tried it before and it doesn't work. Why do you see so many businesses failing with PPC? What are they doing wrong? Well, I sympathize with those people because Google has made that interface so complicated um, it's complicated because it is so it's 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 like a it's like a vehicle driving down the road. There's so much you can do: straight, back, left, right, up, down. There's a lot of things you can do with Google, but the problem is there's so many of them. Most people just don't know where to begin, so they wind up making the same mistakes. If I could give someone one piece one piece of advice to Google AdWords success, because there is a statistic that I've seen out there that says 96% of people that use Google AdWords or any paid search do not get success. In other words, they don't have a good return on investment. And I find that number to be staggeringly high, but if that's the case, that just means that there's a lot of room for uh, corrections here. But the main thing you have to do is you have to watch your click-through rates. People don't realize that if you let a keyword sit in that account that's getting very low search volume or it's getting some terrible click-through rate, that's affecting your quality score. Your quality score is affecting what you're paying for those bids. 
I found that if I have a account, a client with a 3% click-through rate across the account, and I have a keyword that's getting 1% or less, and it's getting a lot of traffic, if I eliminate that keyword, I will get better quality scores. Now, there is one thing you have to mention here to talk about before you eliminate that is you've got to look at your conversions. In other words, you want to be tracking some very important parts of your Google account. Conversions, cost per conversions, number of conversions, those are all very important. So you have to know that before you take action. But just as a general rule, without getting into an entire AdWords seminar here, I would say eliminate any of your keywords that are holding down your click-through rates. Make sure you're using a lot of negative keywords. Split test ads, meaning don't just put a few ads up there and let them sit. You have to test your ads and see which ones are, which ones are working better. But most importantly, the biggest failure I'm gonna tell you right now is landing pages. I have clients that I just will not take the account on if I'm gonna drive traffic to their existing website because their website is not set up to convert. I can do everything under the sun. I can follow all the best practices and to have a great Google account set up for a client. But if the person, the visitor gets to that website and that website is not designed to convert, it's all gonna be for naught. I'm gonna have a terrible conversion rate and it's gonna make me look bad. So I won't even take on an account like that. I will basically build custom landing pages using my four-step ADA principle, and I will get conversions of anywhere from 25 to 42% for my clients. And when I take them on, they're typically getting conversions rates with PPC of seven, eight, nine, 10. My appliance repair client had a 12% conversion rate. He was told that was about as good as it was gonna get. Well, three weeks later with us, he was in the 30s. Now he's in the high 30s and low 40s. So it just goes to show what happens when I eliminated driving traffic to his website and I built these custom landing pages for him that to me is where we're getting these conversion rates from, is these well-designed, digital, journey-oriented web pages for the visitors. Those are some incredible metrics right there, and I'm sure everyone's drooling at the prospects of having similar results. So let's talk about one of the things in there that you said that a lot of people might not be familiar with. I think most people are aware of cost per click and cost of acquisition and all that, but let's talk about negative keywords, because that's an underutilized feature of PPC campaigns. So talk to us more about that. Well, negative keywords just basically prevent your ads from showing up for unproductive keyword searches. In my business, air conditioning, for example, if someone typed in um, RV AC repair, the average air conditioning dealer does not do RVs. So he doesn't want to have those searches. And if he is paying $15, $20 per click, and he's getting 20 or 30 of those a month, that's very expensive for him. So basically what you wanna do is you wanna go into the search details, and there's a way to do this, it's probably difficult to explain to anybody now, but there is a metric uh, that you can go into the account and you can see what people are actually typing in and searching and what they're clicking and the keywords they're using. So if you see something like air conditioning jobs, air conditioning careers, um, air conditioning for my Oldsmobile, these are all terms, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take jobs, careers, Oldsmobile, RV, I'm gonna make those all negative keywords and I'm gonna keep monitoring that because what's gonna happen is anybody that puts that keyword into their search, my ad will not show up. So there's no chance for them to cost me 15 or $20 and inappropriately click on my ad. Yeah, that's an excellent overview and I think that's a great concept that everybody should be aware of. Now let's speak for a second to the people out there who are afraid to spend even a little bit of money in the PPC arena. What do you say to people who are wondering how can they have enough money to at least play in the arena but still use enough money to be successful? Well, I would say, because I went through that myself, and I understand 
the temptation to not do advertising or to be scared to do advertising, but it's almost like saying I don't have enough money to make pay to do payroll. I, I can't rent someplace because I can't afford the rent. But so you can't afford your business if you can't afford some basic fundamentals, payroll, rent, utilities, insurance. You've got to have some things, and advertising is one of them. Unless you're some unusual business or you've got some access to some kind of a word of mouth thing that I am not familiar with, um, I've always had to fight my way for every business I've ever had. So to me, you've got to find a way, even if you have to start small and work your way up, but the important thing is that you don't go through what a lot of business owners go through and they hire the wrong people. They hire the wrong PPC firm. They hire the wrong SEO firm. And the advice on that is a whole other seminar on how to select the right PPC firm and how to select the right SEO firm. But all I can tell you is research and interviews. You can tell when you've got somebody on the phone that really knows what they're talking about after you've talked to three or four people that don't know what they're talking about. It's easier to tell the difference. Once you've had some in-depth interviews and do not accept the first person that comes along and just listen to every word they say, do research, follow through, because if you pick the right SEO firm and you pick the right PPC firm, my feeling is you've got a 90% or better chance of being successful. The failure comes in either by not doing one or both of those things or by picking the wrong firm. And when I say SEO, I'm not just talking about search engine optimization. I'm talking about what we refer to as inbound marketing, content marketing, blog posts, getting things out there on, on other guest blogs, getting information out to your consumers so you're not interrupting their day. They're finding you, and you're not doing what we call disruptive advertising. You're actually putting yourself there where they're looking, and they find you because they want to, not because you forced your ad on them. So if you do these things right and you run your business properly, I don't see how you can't be successful on the internet. All right, I love that response, but let's talk to someone out there who's still maybe a little skeptical or maybe a little cynical. What's the minimum amount that someone can play with and still be successful? Are we talking $10 a day? Or are we talking $20 a day? What What's realistic for someone who's just starting out and wants to get their first few clients? Are we talking about paid search, PPC? Yes. Okay, uh, it would depend on your cost per click. If your cost per click is under a dollar, Let's say that if you do some research and it turns out that you can buy clicks for 70, 80, 80 cents, I would say that you probably need to start out with at least $500 a month. Um, if you're anywhere in the five to $10 a month range, um, 12 to $1,500 would be the minimum. Because remember, success with Google AdWords is built around data. You have to have data. You can't, you will not know until 60 days which keywords you're converting which landing pages are successful. You won't know how well you're doing until you've got at least 60 days of data under your belt. So if you have a really, really small budget, it's gonna be months and months before you know anything about that account. And it's gonna become frustrating because it may not be performing simply because you don't have access to the information you need to make it perform. So if you're gonna do it, I would say that if you're in the dollars range and you're four, five, six, seven, eight dollars at least 1200 a month, if you are in an industry where you're $20 plus, I would say you probably need to look at at least two to $3,000 a month in order right. to have the right information. So not to intimidate people out there, those might sound like big numbers if you're just starting out, but even at the $1,200 a month range that Michael mentioned, it's less than $50 a day, which gives you ample room to play. And Michael, I think it's safe to say for people who are maybe doing online services like consulting or, graphic design or anything like that, their cost per click should be 
less than five dollars. Is that correct? I would think so. Yes, for for that sort of a services businesses, I would think it would be under five dollars. And it also depends on how you set your account up too, because again, the quality scores have a huge impact on how much you're actually going to pay. So talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about quality scores. Quality scores are a metric that Google invented about three or four years ago that really nobody completely understands, including myself. All we know is that if we listen to Google and we believe everything that Google tells us, that basically there's some important elements of quality score, which is landing page relevance to your ad. In other words, if I talk about a t-shirt for $6, buy it now, get free shipping, Google wants me to take them to a page where the very first thing you see is a t-shirt for $6 buy it now and get free shipping. Google wants what they call a good ad match. Because if you think about it for a second, this makes that's common sense. If I'm walking down a sidewalk and I'm in front of a men's shoe store and I see a big sign that says men's shoes 30% off, I walk into that store and I look around, I don't see a sign anywhere, I don't see any follow up on that, I walk to the back of the store, I don't see one single pair of men's shoes on sale, guess what, I'm walking. Because it was too easy for me to get in and out of that store simply because they got my attention but they didn't do anything to follow up with it. So it's kind of the same thing. If you have an ad and you make this promise, you've got to make sure that you take them to a landing page that fulfills that promise and expands on that promise. So that's one part of quality score. Another part of quality score is your click-through rates. Google assumes that if people are clicking your ad that you must be more relevant to their search than people that aren't getting the click-through rates you are. That's why I said what you want to do is you want to look at your keywords, establish what your click-through rate is now, and then start eliminating keywords that are holding you back, especially if they're high volume keywords. If they're high volume and they're not converting, then you want to get rid of those out of your account if they're holding down your click-through rate because you're going to hurt your quality score. So those are the two metrics. There's there's one other one here and it's escaping me at the time. I know there's one more for quality score. Um, it's your ad match, your landing page relevance, and then your landing page design. Google has to like what they see when they get there because they're actually looking at landing pages now with the metric they use and the algorithms they use, they're actually looking at it with what is the closest thing to a set of human eyes possible. So they know exactly how to look at your site for color match, for font sizes, style, content, um, improper sentence structure, improper punctuation, they're picking all that stuff up. So if you've got all the tags, all tags, meta tags, got the coding in there right, and I don't want to get over people's heads here and start talking about coding and all that because that's not my, my area of expertise to begin with, but your page does have to meet the minimum requirements for you to get good quality scores. All right, that's a phenomenal overview of quality scores, especially since I didn't prep you for that one, Michael, so thanks for that. Sure. So let's talk about all the different metrics that we've already discussed. We've got cost per click, we've got click-through rate, We've got costs for conversion. What exactly should business owners and entrepreneurs care about when it comes to running their PPC campaigns with all these different metrics out there? The main thing, of course, is going to be your cost per conversion. Um, and you have to do the math. You have to basically say, and this can get a little complicated, and I'm not going to get complicated, but I'm going to give you an overview because there's a way to do this once you understand the process. But you have to know what your gross margin is on your item. Let's just say you sell an item and it's a $100 item and you have a gross margin of 50%, meaning you're making $50. Okay, that means that each sale you make, you've just made $50. Now you have to decide how much are you willing to invest in your advertising to earn that $50 because you have to pay your overhead and everything else. That was your gross margin, not your what you finally made after all expenses were paid. It's your margin on that particular item when you sold it to a consumer. No other expenses are involved. So basically, I have to decide how much am I willing to spend to make 50 bucks. 
So if that's $10, $15, $20, $5, whatever it is, I'm going to assign that number to my conversion and say, okay, I have decided I can spend $10 per conversion and I'm gonna track that like a maniac. I'm gonna stay on top of that every single day and I'm going to make sure that everything I do in that account is built around getting to that $10 goal or below on my conversions. But it is very important that you understand what a profitable conversion number is for you. Otherwise, you can be making more, you could be making money but losing it because you're not bidding enough on your keywords. Other times, you may be spending way too much to get that $50 profit. You might have spent $30 or $40 and you're not gonna make any money. So it's very, very important that you at least do the simple math and say, okay, how much do I make per sale and how much am I willing to pay Google in my PPC manager if I have one to get me that sale? You gotta know that number. That's an awesome overview in that. Ultimately, that's what it all comes down to. I mean, are you making money from your PPC campaign or not? And that ultimately determines the success of your campaign. So I love that approach and I love the general math overview without at all being overwhelming. Now, we talked a lot about PPC. You mentioned Google AdWords. What other PPC alternatives are there for people? I know that there's Facebook ads, obviously, there's Bing ads. What do you recommend or what have you used or what have you had success with? Well, we, I, I am an AdWords specialist. I, I've been doing AdWords. My firm is Google certified. Um, there's Bing, uh, Yahoo. There's, there's different metrics out there. I'm not using any of those now. I doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean I wouldn't try them, but it's just going to be something else you're going to have to get good at. Because my thinking is I'm going to pick the low-hanging fruit, and for me, the low-hanging fruit, when I'm getting 30 and 40% conversion rates on Google, and I'm getting great results from my own firm and my own clients, I'm going to work that until I have a reason to move on. And right now I've never had that reason, but I can tell you this, it's floated through my head and we've floated it here at my firm. Should we be looking into these other avenues? Um, I, we've tried Facebook. Um, I feel like I don't know Facebook well enough to make money and I don't know anybody personally making money doing Facebook, um, actually making conversions and doing thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars in business. I'm sure somebody's out there um, that's just not my area of expertise, so I tend to stay out of that. But I would say to someone that if you're going to go after a web business, I would stick personally with what we know works, which is Google, SEO, inbound marketing, backlinking, content marketing. The basic fundamentals are what will make you money, I believe. Yeah, Michael, I really like that response because it directly goes back to the stigma out there that a lot of people say, well, I need to be everywhere. I need to be on Facebook. I need to be on Twitter. I need to be on Google and Bing and Yahoo and all these different places. But you've shown that if you really master one of the traffic avenues, there's enough traffic to be had there. You don't have to overextend yourself and, and be mildly successful on all these different platforms. You can really hone in and specialize on something that works. So I love that approach. Right. That's exactly right. So let's talk about the person out there who's just starting their business, just starting out, and they're saying to themselves, how do I get my first client? Aside from just the PPC world, aside from all these kind of detailed conversations that we've had, what should that new entrepreneur think about when it comes to getting their first client? Well, basically, if they're doing it through the web and they're using the website as their primary tool, um, the, the most low-hanging fruit, I'm using that word for the second time here, but I would say would be the content of the website. Many people build what appears to be a nice-looking website, 
Um, but my feeling is a lot of web developers are appealing to the ego of the website owner by offering a flashy, fancy sliders, great images, all that, but it does nothing for the visitor. So I, even if you've just built a website and spent $10,000 on it, I'd go back and spend another 1500 or so, and I would redo my pages to walk your visitors through the Ada principle. That will be the best money that you have ever spent in your entire life. Second thing is LinkedIn. I'm using LinkedIn and I am burying myself with client inquiries because LinkedIn to me is the best tool out there for anybody who is trying to do B2B, business to business. You can even do business to consumer to some degree, but if you're a business to business website, it's very simple to use LinkedIn and we're not going to get into that now because that's a whole other seminar. Uh, but LinkedIn to me would be a great, it's something I would learn immediately if I'm trying to build a new business on the web. And then I would also make sure that my content on my website walked my, my visitors through the digital journey known as the ADA principle. And you will be amazed at what will happen to your sales if you do this properly. That's outstanding advice. So can we agree right here, right now, death to sliders? Absolutely. I've no, I was never a fan of sliders from day one. I think that the I think the web industry came out with them because they're impressive to website owners and it looks really fancy, but all it does is distract your visitor from what they're there for, and that's to solve their problem. They don't care about your flashy images or how many pixels your images are or how dense your page is on images, and they don't care about any of that. They want to know what are you going to do for me, when are you going to do it, what's it going to cost, and when are you going to be here. That's what they want to know. Everything else that you do on your website is superfluous and it's drawing their attention away from the goal which is to solve their problem. Yeah, love it. And I'm so glad that we agree about sliders. If I never see another slider, then that will be great. So let's talk about your business. I mean, clearly your wealth of knowledge and all things PPC and all things conversion optimization related. How do you personally plan on growing your business from here? My, the business I am now is going to be LinkedIn. Um, I've, been, I've been practicing and studying LinkedIn and I've discovered a method uh, to contact people through groups and also to reach out to new connections on LinkedIn because they have such a great filter. I can put in any number of keywords that I want. If I want to appeal to, let's say I want to appeal to a graphic design firm, I can put graphic design, CEO, marketing director. I can put any number of keywords in to reach exactly those people. And there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, for most of us, of qualified clients out there that actually will not ignore your LinkedIn messages. Because when I, when you think about it for a second, when somebody contacts me through LinkedIn, I read it. It's not spam. I don't consider it something that may not be something I'm interested in. And I may say, okay, I'm not going to read this any further, but I will at least open it and read it. And if you know how to properly engage these people initially by just offering your services, say, hey, I want to reach out. Look like we might be a good connection fit. And I just wanted to let you know if I can offer anything for you, help you in any way. And by the way, here's what I'm up to right now. And just give them a little brief description of what you're doing and what you can do for them. No salesy, no presentations, no pitch, no links, nothing. This is your initial contact. And then you'd be amazed that roughly 10, 15, 20% of those people will contact you back and say, well, can you tell me more? And then you can set up an appointment with them to make a full presentation. But that to me is a very exciting future um, for my business is LinkedIn. Um, and then of course, you know, just uh, I don't even use PPC for my business right now simply because I found that it's, it's not necessarily a better practice for me than the LinkedIn is. But for my air conditioning businesses, yes, absolutely use PPC. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for those insights there. That's really great to hear about kind of a new strategy that you're developing, and we can't wait to see how that works out for you long term. Now, I haven't prepped you for this next question, but I've been asking every single Summit speaker, what is your favorite part about being an entrepreneur? I like the fact that I could move to Hawaii tomorrow and still run my business. I like the fact that I can go on vacation, check into my business, check my email, check my LinkedIn accounts, check my PPC accounts, and I just sit there and enjoy. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I am responsible to no one but myself. I have no excuses for success or failure. It's me. I can't blame my boss. I can't blame the company. I can't blame anybody else. And I'm in a field that I feel very confident that I'm an expert in and that I can build my own future the way that I want to and I can do it however I want. And again, I think the one thing that motivates me more than anything else, if I decide to go to Hawaii tomorrow for two weeks, I'm not out of business for two weeks. Now, most people say, well, why would you want to do it? Why would you want to work while in Hawaii? Well, guess what? I love what I do. So to me, it's not work if I'm, if I'm doing something that I would do for free. I would play basketball in the NBA if you didn't. If you, you wouldn't have to pay me to play basketball in the NBA. I would do it for free, and I'd, do it as, I'd work as hard as those guys do. So to me, it's like I've always wanted a business where I felt that way, and I feel like I'm in one now. All right. Love that answer, and the passion definitely shows through. Michael, I can't thank you enough. You've been an absolute wealth of knowledge. You've given, given us a ton of insight. How can viewers learn more in, about you and your business? They can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go search triple your clicks would be the three keywords you would put in. Um, you'll come to our company page and there's a description of my background and what I've done and what we can do for you. And by the way, that is an example of how I think a LinkedIn page should be designed. You can look at how we designed our page using the ADA principle. Um, you can also go to our website, which is tripleyourclicks.com. All right. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck and I can't wait to hear about all your successes in the future. Thank you, Brian, for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at thewantrepreneurshow.com.